Welcome to Aftermask, the show where we look at how industries will be changed, how the world will look five months from now and five years from now. Today, I'm talking to two film industry analysts, and we're going to discuss many things about the movie business, including how theaters can bring people back to the movies, what the 2020 Oscars might look like, and five years down the road, will movie going look the same as it did three months ago, or will there be some big changes? Also, why the film Trolls World Tour is a potentially industry-defining release. Joining me today are two analysts from Exhibitor Relations in Los Angeles, Jeff Bach and Carrie Bible. Jeff is their senior box office analyst and has been analyzing theatrical trends, box office, and the state of the industry for the last decade. Carrie is a box office analyst there, as well as a film historian and author. A quick note, we recorded this conversation on April 10th, and a few things have already changed. I'll give an update at the end of the show. Okay, on with the show. This has been an extraordinary time for the movie industry, the movie theater industry specifically. It's completely shut down in the United States and really around the world. Carrie, has this ever happened before in the movie industry? Yeah, well, in 1918, we had a a giant influenza pandemic and theaters in Los Angeles were shut down for, I think, about seven weeks. So it was kind of very different, obviously, from what we are experiencing right now. And yes, production was halted. Uh, Silent film star Harold Lockwood died of influenza, age 31. So yeah, there was a lot going on in 1918. Also, it was the last year of World War I. Are there any lessons you think we can take from what happened, I know it was 100 years ago, in terms of how the film industry reacted then and what happened to what's happening now? Well, it's, it's hard to draw parallels in that they did not, of course, have streaming and the internet and cable TV and, you know, a zillion different pieces of technology that we have today. Um, one thing that might be somewhat similar is that the independent or lower budget theaters and production companies were the ones that were hit the hardest and struggling the most and the most vulnerable to uh, the, the effects of this. And I think that's also, that is also similar to what we're seeing. With theaters being closed around the world, studios have taken extraordinary steps, including releasing a number of movies to VOD, Video On Demand. This includes Trolls World Tour, the first movie ever to be given the full advertising weight of a major theatrical release and then never actually be released in theaters instead only to VOD. Is Trolls, along with recent releases like Bloodshot and Birds of Prey, finding success with VOD? Well, the thing about these films are they're actually doing very well by VOD standards. It's always been difficult to extrapolate that data. It feeds directly into analytics, which you know streamers like Netflix and Amazon use to, to, to greenlight productions. Um, and so Hollywood has always been keen to have a more direct um, route to these numbers. And right now, this is a goldmine for them in terms of what's working with a very extremely captive audience. Um, so make no mistake, even though we, we sort of think of Trolls World Tour as a throwaway sequel, there is so much valuable data to mine from, for Universal, who has been trying to crack this nut for a long time. Remember Tower Heist back in the day when they tried to get that to go straight to streaming? And there was just an uproar from theater owners. They did not want to see that happen. You know, you're talking about destroying the window 
and they got so much blowback the universal just said okay we're going to release it traditionally we're going to put this out in theaters we're sorry we're sorry we'll go away now and there's always been you know and, and so it's no surprise really that universal who's owned by comcast and we all know what comcast is um there's no surprise that universal right out of the gate was the first studio to say yep we're going vod i mean it was barely a week into lockdown when they announced this so um I'm sure theater owners were not too happy with Universal and Comcast about that. And there may be some discussions in the future regarding theater exhibitors and Universal product because of it. This is a, a test case scenario that, that they're not going to receive a lot of blowback from, but, but there's certainly there will be some animosity there from theater owners. You know, Trolls World Tour is historic in that, yes, it is the first film to bypass theaters and go VOD, you know, given that it already really had its advertising campaign in full gear at the time that this happened. Maybe it ends up as a footnote, as a trivia question, but maybe it's the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of, of how we see entertainment um, in the near future. That's how serious this is right now. This battle between streaming and theatrical is huge. It was at a tipping point already, and streaming seemed to be seemed to be winning. How extreme are theaters going to get to try and win the war, or at least hold off streaming for a, a bit longer? There is some middle ground here. There is some gray matter in terms of you know fighting for percentages from weekend to weekend. You know, if if a certain theatrical chain gets say only thirty percent or forty percent and the studio gets usually that sixty or seventy percent of those films on opening weekend or even the first couple of days. I mean these are all bargaining points that theaters are going to have with Universal, especially if the VOD window is closing and we're only going to have this in theater three weeks, we need a bigger percentage of the pie, you know, for those three weeks. Because usually it's the fifth and sixth and seventh week that theater owners get. These are all things that are going to be up for discussion and should be up for discussion at every CinemaCon every year. Um, and, and, and that's usually not what's on the table at CinemaCon. It's more, hey, look at Dwayne Johnson, look at Tom Cruise. These guys are bringing new movies to you. It's gonna be awesome. You were saying that Trolls World Tour is a goldmine of data for Comcast Universal. What kinds of data are they gonna get beyond a good sense of how much money they can make by skipping theaters entirely? It's like when you think about Netflix and, um, and Amazon and these other streamers, they get really valuable data in terms of demographics, in terms of which part of the country is ordering this film or watching this series. And they get that in real time. And, and studios don't get that. And that's why I think studios, major studios, really want this sort of data for themselves because a lot of it is proprietary and, and they don't have to share it. There's a certain lock and key aspect to analytics that are streaming. and you know, they will know probably the first weekend that they're going to know exactly how much money they made. And I guarantee the profits are, 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 are shooting way a lot higher just for Comcast and Universal than they would be if they had to share these profits, obviously, with theaters. You know, they're definitely sharing with streaming entities, but certainly it's not as much as, as they would be sharing with um, theatrical exhibitors. So that's the interesting part. And, and the other one is, uh, again, we talk about different demographics and different swaths of the country or even of the world. You know, we are talking about a world tour, right? It, you know, this is available other places as well. And you know, if, if that's the case, 
they can pinpoint who really likes this genre of film, this, this family genre of film, these family genres of sequels. Um, and, and that will help them in the future determine where they spend their money. They spend, you know, tens and twenties and thirties, up to $50 million for this, this type of film. And then you're talking about hundreds of millions for summer blockbusters. So with all these benefits of video on demand or potential benefits, at least, Carrie, how do you see the future of video on demand playing out now since they have this new set of data and money in hand, potentially, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Maybe I'm very old fashioned, but I really hope and cling to the belief that people are going to want to be together in a room and have that communal experience of watching a film together in a room, enjoying company of strangers, all unified in our laughter, our tears, our reaction to a film. Christopher Nolan and a lot of big directors are really advocating for that to remain that experience. I really hope that experience never goes away. I think something really terrible would be lost if we lost that ability to be together in a theater. Seton Hall University recently released the results of a study where they asked Americans if they would be willing to attend major sporting events like football before the development of a vaccine for the coronavirus. 72% said they would not attend games. 12% of those people did say they would attend if social distancing could be maintained. Even if we drill down and look at just people who self-identify as sports fans, 61% of them say they would not attend sporting events again until there is a vaccine. Now, movie theaters have a lot of similarities to some of these sporting events. You can be very close to people. You're often touching seats and rails that others have touched. If someone sneezes or coughs, there's really nowhere to go to get away. So I asked Jeff and Carrie what movie theaters can do to earn the public's trust. Do they have to do things differently than they've been doing them, perhaps? Um, any, anything that, that is um, taking place in a confined space, whether it is a concert, a movie, uh, sporting events, there is going to be a big battle um, to get audiences to come back, to feel safe, to feel normal again. Um, this has scared all of us. And until that vaccine is, is available and, or, or even testing widely available, it's going to be difficult to convince people to go see Trolls World Tour in a theater with your family and putting them possibly at risk. I wonder if they might do more incremental screenings, like, okay, we're going to cap this theater. If it seats 200, we're going to let in like 50 people, 60 people, 70 people. Everybody's got to sit X amount of feet apart. Everybody's got to wear a mask. Everybody's got to wear, like they might do like an incremental and then maybe say, again, add more shows a day. Like, oh, we're going to do 10 shows a day where we can let in 20 people as opposed. Well, for example, I went to the grocery store the other day. They were only letting in a few people at a time. You had to wait in a long line outside. That might be an option of embracing and again have more shows a day so you could try to get more people in per thing it would be very logistically challenging and you'd have to be very judicious about spacing out the people when the people are in the lobby and out of the theater and trust me there would be a lot of uh, traffic control or security involved in that but that is a possible option it might be a very slow and gradual process opening back the world and getting back to our normal lives. It might, as much as we want it to, and believe me, I do, I just don't think it's going to happen overnight. It's not going to be we wake up tomorrow and everything's like it was. Probably going to be a slow rollout 
the one thing that Hollywood has done right, I think, is, is just sort of back off. Some films have, have just pushed back a year, like Fast and Furious 9. You know, Universal just pulled the plug and said, you know what, we're going to be back next year and we'll try this again. And I think that that's, that's a pretty safe way to go because they know they want to release it at that time. They don't want to even mess with the formula they have, which is, hey, let's release this in spring, early summer, and make a billion dollars worldwide. I just don't think they want to try to release it in December. You don't want to bring these blockbuster movies back too soon because it's really going to hurt uh, their chances to make their money back. And that's why this is the most dangerous game of when it's safe and what do we consider safe and who to listen to in terms of when and where it, it is safe to go. Hollywood's being, I think, pretty optimistic right now, saying that they want to return middle of June. Pixar's Soul is the first big blockbuster movie that still has a date, and that's June 19th, 2020. So we're talking about two months from now. If we get pushed back further this summer and, and Soul does not open, uh, June 19th, and then Mulan doesn't open um, July 24th, I believe that's set for, and Tenet, Christopher Nolan's film, is still set for July 17th, and then, then we have Wonder Woman 1984 set for August. Looking ahead to the end of the year, the current release schedule is pretty stacked. Black Widow, the MCU movie starring Scarlett Johansson, was supposed to come out May 1st, but is now scheduled for the first week of November. And every week of that month has potential blockbusters. The second week is Deep Water, the Anna de Armas, Ben Affleck thriller. November 20th is Godzilla vs. Kong. The following week is No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie and Daniel Craig's last James Bond film. And then it continues into December with Dune, Coming to America, West Side Story, Top Gun, Maverick, and many other huge movies because everything got pushed back. I would think Black Widow would have made a billion dollars in its May 1st slot. But now, is it capped at around seven or eight hundred million just because of all of the competition? I really hope Black Widow does well. I really hope a lot of these movies do well. I, I really, really hope that after all of this confinement, people are dying to be together, dying to go out, to do things, to be back in the world. And I would love to see a world where all of these movies make tons of money and, you know, the world is back to the way it was. I hope so badly that that is true and will happen. But but I really don't know. And I think, I think the uncertainty is what makes everything so scary right now. I think Black Widow was possibly one of the Marvel films that would not have made a billion dollars if it, if it was going to be released when it did. Mostly because the buildup to Avengers and, 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 and just the culmination of what Marvel was able to do was, was so immense, so unimaginable, that, that Black Widow could only come drop down a little bit. It just, there's nothing, there's no higher place it could go, especially because it is... Um, in a lot of ways, a prequel, because we know the dramatic tension is sort of gone from, from that character now, even though we're adding to, to her world, I never thought it was going to see the heights that, that even a Captain Marvel had seen. But now, I honestly think that because now we won't have had a Marvel movie for such a long period of time, that when, when Black Widow opens in November, we could be looking at a, at a much greater opening and maybe even lasting a lot longer than previously expected because people are so happy to have films back the way that they were. You know, and I think especially fanboys and fangirls, you know, people who really appreciate these and really get into these films, there's going to be dress-up parties. You know, this is something that was taken away from them 
prematurely and, and they got back. And, and whenever that happens in life, you really fully, I think, appreciate these things more and invest in them even more so than you did because now you know what the, it's like in a world without them. When theaters reopen, it's going to be a risk to release the first big budget film. Is there a studio who might be more inclined to take that risk? And is there a particular kind of movie that should go first? I think it's Disney. Disney has to take the lead right now. We've never seen someone, a studio that is dominate like Disney did in 2019. The amount of hits they had, the amount of billion dollar hits worldwide was mind blowing. So if anybody can weather a couple of these, it would be Disney. And, and Disney right now has Pixar soul and Mulan on tap for this summer, and I think they should keep them there to see what happens. They can always release them to Disney Plus. They can always go VOD, and they will make Mint on VOD. So they sort of have a safety net, whereas I don't think Paramount does. I don't think Sony does or Lionsgate. When they release those films, they have to be hits for those studios because they're, you know, they really are close to dying on the vine. They need everything that they have in production to be a hit, especially these blockbuster ones that they're spending upwards of 150, 200 million on. They have to be hits or they're going to turn into Fox Studios all over again. What scenarios are big chains like Regal, AMC, Cineworld, Landmark dreading over the next four or five years? Well, the bad scenario is we don't know how long this this pandemic is going to go on. And Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think China reopened theaters. People didn't show up, and so they closed them again. So that is a worst-case scenario, obviously. Again, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know how people are going to even feel about wanting to go to these theaters when they do return, if they will return in droves. Again, I hope they will, but we don't know. A lot of theaters were already struggling anyway. Yes, independent and single-screen theaters we're definitely struggling. You know, it didn't take them very long to furlough or, you know, just completely let go their supporting staff because they simply could not afford them. And now you're telling them, you know what, we're not sure when you're coming back and we don't know when we'll have product for you. The longer this goes on, the more chance is that a lot of these small theaters, these, these local theaters never open again. That is the worst case scenario that even some of the mid-range chains don't make it and, and don't survive this, this pandemic. We'll always have Marvel films, we'll always have big budget sequels, but what if that's all we had? You know, what if those were the choices and some horror films here and there? That's just not a lot of choice and it, it doesn't leave me satisfied as a fervent moviegoer. You know, I just, I wouldn't want to see that happen. There's always places for adult dramas and, and interesting stories to be told. But the longer this goes on, those are the films that are going to be hurt, you know, these genre films. And speaking of those genre films, what, what no one, I haven't seen any articles address this really yet, but it's really talked about is how this is going to affect Oscar season next year. Because there are so many films that were probably going to be prime Oscar contenders where the whole cast and crew is sitting at home unemployed right now because they can't be finished. And... Though the blockbusters were already finished and ready for release, a lot of these films that would be contenders, either they're not finished, they're not going to get made at all, they're not going to get made for a long time. So it's really going to, it might really shake up the entire Oscars for next year as well, you know? And the momentum. I mean, we're talking about the momentum that these smaller films need 
by going to these film festivals, by, exactly. by getting all of this free publicity. And then it turns them into, you know, like Parasite, for instance. It, the buildup on that was remarkable. You know, and what Neon was able to do with this, this foreign language film, it was incredible, but it wouldn't have happened without all this festival talk. And, and now who knows if we'll have any festivals this year. So that really puts an asterisk on, like Carrie said, the Academy Awards and, and every film festival and every award show, to tell you the truth. Because what's there to nominate, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Is a movie like The Gentleman starring Matthew McConaughey going to be nominated for Best Picture? I am down with that. Yes. Mark me down. Uh, gentlemen, Best Picture, Best Everything so far that I've seen. So far, there has been a hesitancy on the part of the Academy to give a Best Picture Oscar to a streaming service. And yeah. that they might have to force <laughs> to change that because there may be no other choice. I tend to go to the movies at least once a week, often more. Is there a scenario where four or five years from now, current avid moviegoers such as myself go once a month or maybe just a few times a year and everything else is streaming or video on demand? Is that a reasonable possibility? I mean, the pace of, of, of what's happening, this only quickens that, you know, this pandemic. It is the tip of the iceberg, this data that Universal is receiving now from Trolls World Tour will probably give them a pretty good guidepost about how they could and maybe should proceed into the future. That's why when you think of Trolls World Tour as a throwaway sequel, you are absolutely wrong. This could change the entire industry. You know, this is a, what is happening this weekend is gigantic. And those, those shockwaves will be felt for years, if not decades from this moment. Theater owners have fought for so long for this not to happen and there's nothing they could do. In fact, they probably just had to throw up their arms and go, well, what the hell can we do now? Nothing. As we continued our conversation, Jeff suggested that there are a few directors like Christopher Nolan who have enough power to demand their movies screen in actual theaters. And, but there aren't a lot of people like that, 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 you know, outside of Quentin who said he's going to, Quentin Tarantino who said he's going to retire. So you just hope that there are people out there, especially the auteurs, the leaders of cinema, you throw like Greta Gerwig in there, you know, these people who are making really good films right now and they're showing really well in theaters, they need to take a stand and say, yes, you know, you can work with me, but guess what? This film has to be in theaters for three months and then you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, it is time for filmmakers to help in this process and take a stand the way that Christopher Nolan does. Otherwise, we do risk losing this magic, the cinemagic that, that we all love and have fallen in love with in a darkened theater with this group of strangers. But what we are gonna be seeing in these next, like even up to four or five years is certain genres are, are really working in theaters and certain ones aren't. And there is a way, I think, to maybe even modify the way that we think about VOD. A film that say, like The Way Back, sort of tanked in theaters, uh, didn't do as well as expected. And there is a way, I think, to tier it so that certain films that don't open big in the first week or two maybe can be on VOD. Maybe we can shorten that window. But a film like Black Widow or any Marvel film or big sequel, there's no need to do that because these films uh, will play in theaters for six, seven, eight weeks, and then they can go to VOD, and then they can go to home entertainment. Worst case scenario, in 10 years, all we're getting is big sequels and... <laughs> Christopher Nolan film once every four years and maybe a James Cameron 3D film uh, avatar every five years. That's as quick as this thing could go lightning quick now. 
So how far are we away from that? Uh, hopefully a ways, but, but we are talking about an accelerated process, especially because of this pandemic. And the outlook, is, it, like Carrie said, it's cloudy, but it's on the verge of being kind of scary too. You know, I've heard some rumblings about the drive-in theater making a comeback, which honestly, I would be all for. I think yes. that's kind of awesome because you can still see movies on a giant screen, you can still congregate, but you can also socially isolate. Obviously, they probably wouldn't be able to have concessions lines or whatever. Really dense urban cities, that's going to be a lot harder because, of course, you need a lot of space in order to do that. But I think that's a really cool idea. And I just, I love the idea of kind of having that make a, a resurgence. If I were AMC or Regal or one of these companies, I would seriously be looking at open lots right now. Sir, I would too. I, I love the idea of everything old being new again and kind of reinventing the drive-in for like a new generation. I adore that idea. And I want to point out this, the, the film industry has always been very malleable and adaptable, really. I mean, because when the silent era ended and sound came in, sound came in not too long before the Great Depression happened. A lot of theaters around the country could not afford to adjust the sound right away because you had to redo a lot of theaters in many cases. But over time, gradually, they made it work. And then when widescreen CinemaScope came in, again, theaters had to redesign, they had to reinvent and adjust. Then you had television that competed with the movies. So then you had a lot of these biblical epics, you had 3D, you had a lot of Hollywood basically trying to kind of fight against the television and people staying home watching TV. So if you think about it, since the beginning, Hollywood has had to almost continually reinvent itself in a new way in order to survive. And they've just never seen anybody like streaming. You know, this is, this is a new beast that's almost created by the films industry themselves. You know, these are still just stories being told, right? The same way that, that Hollywood wants to tell stories. But guess what? Stories that last seasons get to dive into character, you know, and they get to really get, get into the nitty and gritty. You know, whereas films don't necessarily get to do that as much. And we've seen public really love, you know, be fanatical about Game of Thrones, about, uh, about Stranger Things, about Downton Abbey. It can work both ways. Stranger Things would be huge if you released a movie. So there's no reason why you can't dip into both pots. And, and, and I think for the sake of the industry, they need to do that. And, and theaters and studios need to be really aggressive about making these sort of things happen, these events happen, and make sure they're happening in theaters. Because otherwise, the water cooler talk, it has been, the, the pendulum has been moving towards streaming. That's what people are talking about outside of, you know, smaller film circles right now, or, or even, in, even on the media. So as long as we keep getting events that are theater only, or at least theater first, the, the industry will be just fine. But again, like Carrie said, they just have to reinvent themselves and they have to energize themselves. They really have to go full tilt um, with what's working and, and make sure that they have the best talent working for them and producing movies, not producing streaming. You know, it's not uncommon of uh, a streaming deal and a, and a movie deal now. I mean, that's... Um, but maybe Hollywood's going to have to up the ante and say, listen, if we hire you, you are exclusively producing movies for the theater. And that's all we want you work on. And we will pay you handsomely to make that happen. A quick update on a few things. 
On April 13th, Disney announced that they were indeed delaying Pixar's Soul from June 19th to November 20th. Trolls World Tour's video on demand release did indeed break records for a digital debut. Had the best selling first day, best selling three day, and best pre order sales ever. I hope movie theaters stay around forever. And there's season after season filled with blockbusters and tiny indie movies that are weird and wonderful. What do you see happening in this industry? Or perhaps there are other industries you'd like me to do a show about. Drop me a line at aftermaskpod at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at aftermaskpod. Come back next week where we talk to Washington Post NBA writer Ben Golliver about how the pandemic is going to affect the NBA. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan Levy, and this is Aftermath.